Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom Link Podcast. We are so thankful that you are here with us today. We are starting in our second episode of our Understanding the Call series. Today, we are calling this episode Called and Qualified. Called and Qualified. Today, we're going to go over a few things about being qualified in the call. Uh, Last week, we talked about understanding the call, but now we want to understand the qualifications of the call. And today, I'm very thankful to have my co-host with me, my father, Tim W. Gill. Dad, why don't you go ahead and greet everybody? Thank you, David. It's great to be again on Kingdom Link uh, podcast. We're so appreciative today of this opportunity to share uh, with our listeners maybe some things that will help them and help them grow in their ministry regardless of their age. And uh, I really was uh, very thankful for what we did uh, in our last episode about the call. We hope it helps somebody, you know, dealing with that question. And so when when you're called, what is the next stage? And that's what we want to talk about today. And that's about being qualified. You're called and qualified. Right. So today we kind of want to go over the topics of uh, there are three stages of ministry there is character in the call, qualified to serve, and also there is qualifications for church leadership. There's just a few of the things that we want to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So, Dad, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Well, uh, there's a passage of Scripture that jumps out to me uh, uh, that uh, I think speaks about these three stages of ministry, and it has to deal with David, King David, who was a tremendous leader, by the way. But in Psalm chapter 78, it says that God chose David, in verse 70, God chose David, his servant, and he took him from the sheepfolds and from following the ewes, great with young, and he brought him to feed Jacob, his people. The first thing that we see in this particular setting is that God chose David. There must be a sovereign call, right. what we talked about last time. Right. God chose him to be a servant. God took him from a faithful post and put him in another post. He was feeding the flock, and God gave him the calling to feed Israel, to feed Jacob, right. his people. And then the next thing you see is that David did that according to the integrity of his heart. We find in verse 72, and he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. So there's three things here that we see in David's life. One, he was called by God. Two, he had character. Right. He fed them according to character, according to the integrity of his heart. The Bible says on various places that David knew how to behave himself wisely in the house of the Lord, wisely before Saul. David was passionate about his character. Right. You know, I think we need to be passionate about our character. And even when David fell, you find that he was a a man of repentance and sought restoration. But then the third thing we see is that he guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. So we find David was called, he uh, qualified himself, and the result was competence, competence or skillfulness. The aspiration of a minister is to be effective 
You know, I think that ought to be the heart cry of every preacher, and that is, I want to be effective. Absolutely. Well, that, I want to be skillful. If we're not effective in our generation, then why are we here? You know, if if we're not here to impact somebody as leaders, as ministers of the right. gospel, then why be here? If we're not telling people about the gospel, if we're not reaching out, if we're not helping grow people, then what's what's our purpose? Well, I also think a lot of times uh, we look at somebody who's very skillful, very competent in ministry, and we say, well, man, look how great they are, but they don't realize the time between the call right. and the competence was a period of qualification, mm-hmm. whatever that looked. And for everybody, it's different, but I also believe it's a continual process that we do in our life, renewing our call, working on our character, and working on our competence. So the character and the call go hand in hand. Right. Qualification and the call go hand in hand. Right. And uh, just another thing. So another question that you can ask is, why is integrity so important? Why is integrity so important? Especially when it comes to the calling of God. Well, So... so Go ahead. To, to answer that just a little bit, to understand the importance of integrity, uh, you need to first look at the definition of integrity, mm-hmm. which means uh, integrity means the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles or moral uprightness. So going back to a few things that we've said before, uh, whenever pertaining to the call, when you believe that you're about to step into a new role or of any capacity, really, whether it be leadership or, you know, into the ministry or to in- anything like that, mm-hmm. you must behave and act like what you strive to be. Right. So strive to be a man of character. Strive to be a woman of character. You can do that before a calling ever comes. That's right. You know, what we just read in Psalms, God called David from the integrity of his heart. Mm-hmm. So David already had integrity in his heart so what before you're he saying, was ever called. What you're saying is that he fed the sheep with integrity right? before he ever had the opportunity to feed Jacob Absolutely. with integrity. Absolutely. Before the calling ever comes, the calling does not bring integrity. It shows integrity. Oh, that's a good point. It, it highlights your integrity. Uh, when when you get when you receive the call from God, it does not give you character. It does not give you integrity. It just almost pushes those. Mm-hmm. It, it it takes what you already have and pushes that outward. So before the calling ever comes, you need to sit down with yourself mm-hmm. and take a self examination. Do I want to be a man of integrity and of character? Yeah. And what kind of character and integrity do I want to have? You know, you mentioned the word integrity in its definition. The word integrity uh, comes from a mathematical equation, meaning uh, not fraction, not divided, unable to divide. Right. It's one. It's single. And 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 when you live for God, everybody needs integrity. Absolutely. You know, everybody needs ethics and morals and all this kind of stuff that comes with it. But when it when you take on the call. There is a depth of integrity that, like you said, it'll magnify. It'll be right. magnif. Your calling magnifies issues of either quality or the lack thereof. Absolutely. So you ask, why do I need integrity and why do I need character? It's because these two things identify who you are. Mm-hmm. If you lie, you're. Well, let me let me take this back. 
these things identify who you are to those around you. So mm-hmm. if you lie, you'll be known as the liar. Mm-hmm. If you are a drunk, you're going to be known as the drunk. If you cheat, you're going to be known as the cheater, and so on and so on. But if you're known as the one that speaks positive, positively to others, they're going to know that. Mm-hmm. If you're a man that stands for what he believes in, you're going to be known for that. Right. Integrity is known by other people. It's rarely known by the person who holds it. You never hear a man of integrity say, I'm a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. You never hear him say, I've got a lot of good character. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. You must have integrity and character to do the job and the calling that God has given you. Right. So much like uh, you don't let a kid loose in a candy store because that child's <laughs> not able to control themselves. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just going to go after it whatever they want. Right. And so if you're a man or a woman without integrity and without character and without discipline and you step into a leadership role, mm-hmm. you're going to be like that kid in a candy store and just go nuts, go seeking after everything that you can. But that's that's not what we need to do. Integrity and character helps guide leadership. It helps show how we need to do it. John Maxwell once said, power really is a test of character. In the hands of a person of integrity, it is of tremendous benefit. Right. But in the hands of a tyrant, it causes terrible destruction. Mm. So then we need to ask ourselves, do I want to be a person of integrity or do I want to be a tyrant when it comes to leadership? Absolutely. You know, I think that it is important to realize that we need integrity, but integrity must be founded upon humility. Absolutely. True humility, and then the willingness to be honest with ourselves and see ourselves, because usually we're the last to see blind spots, and that's really tough. Right. Because blind spots seem to appear as you get closer to the Lord, you get closer to the light, and so those blind spots begin to it shows come up, up a little bit more. It shows up a little bit more, and so it, it, it's humbling when you realize. Let, let me let me put this very clearly to uh, to our listeners today. People say you practice what you preach. The fact is, I believe that the moment it has been my experience, the moment I preach something, I'm tested with it. Absolutely. The moment I preach about something. It becomes right there in my face to be tested with it. And uh, I think that this is a part of why we need the character to back it up. Because ministry is a lot more than preparing a sermon. It's a lot more than setting an agenda. It's more than just having your next meeting or your next uh, event that you're going to. It's more than, uh, than being a part of those kinds of things. It's about being shapen by God so we can be the clearest voice we can be for God. Absolutely. Before, before God. Um, I, I want to quote something. Uh, in his book, The Unpredictable Plant, Eugene Peterson writes this. He says, quote, The moment any of us embarks on work that deals with our fellow humans, at the core and depths of being where God and sin and holiness are at issue, we become at that same moment, subject to countless dangers, interferences, pretenses, and errors that we would have been quite safe from otherwise. So-called spiritual work exposes us to spiritual sins. 
That's powerful. That's very powerful. When 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 you when you set yourself up in the place that you accept the call, it, you're going to come under such great pressure. The Absolutely. greater the character, the greater the integrity, the more we can withstand. Absolutely. The more we withstand. Let's let's talk about a few things the Bible talks about that shows that we're qualified to serve. And uh, um, I, I, there are several we could pick to. We we could have went to the qualifications of a deacon. The qualifications of uh, we could have went to the qualifications of an elder, but I chose to just kind of let's look at the qualifications of a bishop. The qualifications of a bishop, you know, Paul starts off in First Timothy three and one. This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Let, let, let me just lay the groundwork of what a bishop is. The word bishop essentially means overseer or one having the oversight. It is uh, from the Greek word episkopos, which speaks of one who's looking out for or caring for, and is derived from two Greek words the, with the Greek ep, uh, preposition epi, uh, meaning over or upon, and the other which derives the verb to means to peer about. It has two primary meanings when you're a bishop, to oversee or a mark at which one shoots. Right. So, so what you're aiming at. It's what you're aiming at. Uh, holding up something as a model or a, a scope. It's where we get the word, the English word scope. The term bishop today, I realize, is employed as a great uh, term of respect or an honor for an elder. But that's really not at the heart, I believe, of the word bishop because right. he deals with ambition. Right. I believe you can have ambition in ministry and being called, he, he said, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. God's looking for people that you know have an ambition that is truly built on character ambition, right? Humility, uh, noble aims, and people who are servants, committed to the gospel, committed to oversee, committed to serve. And I think that that's very important that Paul puts that distinction there. Uh, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good thing. Amen. If Paul em- employs uh, uh, this word desire. It means to stretch oneself toward, to reach after uh, with a burning passion, to stretch for it. And I think a lot of times people get caught up in the same kind of ambition of the world and being a, a leader on a job or work on a job. It's great to have passion. But when it comes to ministry, there must be a passion not for the office, not for the title or position, but a passion for the work of the kingdom of God. We're not lords. We're not lords. We're not kings. But yet we need to be used in the, in the kingdom of God. Well, I think also in today's sense, when we talk about leaders, we talk about bosses, we talk about CEOs or bigwigs and something like that, you see the boss as someone who tells you what to do mm-hmm. and they get to sit back. Right. And everybody else that they lead has to do all the work. Right. I think in the kingdom of God, it's almost a reverse sense. Right. That we are to be the ones as a bishop, as an overseer and outlook to look ahead but we also put in the work. Right. I, it, I saw a, 
a picture one time and it said it was the difference between a leader and a boss mm-hmm. and a boss was sitting in his chair barking orders telling them what to do but right. a leader was down there with him saying come on let's go. let's go we're doing this together right we're leading them we're leading them we're leading them but that doesn't mean that you're oh, somewhere far away telling right. them what to do it means you're there with them working with them working to achieve this goal for the kingdom of god working to save souls Amen. That's awesome, David. You know, uh, let's just break down these qualifications just for a moment. First is that Paul said that a bishop must be blameless. That's an interesting word, you know. Right. Uh, it, we think of it, well, somebody can have never done anything wrong in their life, uh, but that's not what Paul is talking about. It's speaking about being above reproach, which speaks of one's overall character of their life. It's not speaking about perfection, right? But but speaking about having a consistent guiding principle of living, right? <clears throat> the man of God should not have anything in their life the enemy can lay hold on. Absolutely, and that that's what the word blameless is that you can't touch them or lay hold on them, right? Because they've kept themselves. Well, in speaking of being blameless, we should not live in a way that someone could be able to spread a lie or a rumor and people believe them. Mm-hmm. We should not be someone that says, oh, can you believe that so-and-so did this, pastor so-and-so did that, and people be like, you know what? I could see that. Right. I could see them doing that. Yeah. We, should, we shouldn't we should be living like that. Well, it, it, it's blameless speaks about those who live one way when, he's, when they're around certain people and another way when they live around are, are around other folks, they're double-lifed. Right. That's just the opposite of integrity. Right, absolutely. Integrity is one where you're living the same, same way. everywhere. Wherever you go in front of everybody that you meet. So that is the meaning of integrity. Has, you know, I, I believe that uh, we qualify ourselves by making sure our home life, our personal life, our business life, and our family life is, is above reproach in that we're not perfect, if we sin, it's judged. It's taken care of. Right. It's repented it of. It's repented of. It, it's it's. If we've done something wrong, if we're unfaithful in our money, we recorrect it. Absolutely. That's what it means to be blameless. Absolutely. You know, the next one is an interesting one because uh, this it's, is a fun it, one. <laughs> there's a lot of debate over this, and I'm not going to get onto the marriage and divorce issue. Right. Maybe even for another podcast, we can do that. But it says that. He's to be a husband of one wife. Now, literally in the Greek, that means a one-woman man. Right. And I'll leave that there. But let's talk about the nature and the quality and the and the qualification there. Is that I believe it speaks that he needs to be a faithful husband. Absolutely. Not a flirt. Right. He's not one that's demeaning his wife in public or even in private. He's sexually pure. Right. It's it's that his his uh, integrity relating to his marital relationship is one that is correct. Right. And that, that also means that some you can be married to one woman and be okay. That's all right, as long as you're married. That could simply, you know, in some cases be wrong, because even though you're married to one wife, that still means you can't go around flirting with everything you see. Absolutely. That means that you are pure. You are right. whole in your marriage. That you are married to that one woman, you love that all one in. woman all, all in. in. Yeah, I mean, you said your vows. Well, and you agreed. 
that's the way the Lord wants it. You're, we're living a, a married life according to His Word. Absolutely. Now, for all of you out there that are single, that are listening, hold on. Be pure. Your time's coming. Absolutely. Your time is coming. Right. And I'm gonna. We're gonna get to that even then later on. Right. So the next one is be vigilant. Right. Be vigilant. That's that's the word temperate here. I, we mu- we must have some self control. Be restrained. It literally means, it, according to Strong's, it means to abstain from wine. Boom. Guy's not supposed to be drinking. Right. If you but want to also in the spiritual sense, you know, we, mm-hmm. we say drinking that means alcohol. No, you could be drinking. I know before you've preached on a message called Babylon's Toxic Brew. Mm-hmm. That means the secular world, the things of this world. We don't need to be drinking in, intaking the things of this world. So to be vigilant means be watchful. Right. Always check your heart. Okay, whatever I'm watching, whatever I'm listening to, mm-hmm. whatever I read, I need to check it. Is this okay to intake? That's good. David. Or is this alcohol to my system? Or is this poison to my system? Right. And and then he moves right into the next one that's very similar to it, and that is be sober. Right. So we're to be vigilant. That's to not be bound by unhealthy and unholy habits, but to be sober means to be prudent. Absolutely. That means to operate with discretion. I you know, if you're if you're a man of God and you're called to be in the ministry. You know, I think it, it, it's very detrimental if you're a, a a crude joke teller, or if you're uh, operating in a manner that is without control or without sense. For the word sober means to be sober minded, uh, self controlled, right. and uh, operating with sound judgment. Right. Well, I think that also speaks that you don't spiral out of control at the littlest inconvenience. Mm. I mean, we all have a past. We all may have done things that have regretted, whether it be past drug addictions, past alcoholic. Right. But you need to be able to not smell something or or see a little something or just feel a little something and spiral out of control. Being sober means that you have that in check. Yes. Okay, I looked once. I'm not going to look again. I'm going to keep my thoughts pure. I'm going to keep That's my good. speaking pure. Yeah. I'm always going to be the one over the control button of the way I think and the way I speak and what I watch and what I hear. Amen. I, I think it's very important that we qualify ourselves in these areas. Uh, another thing that he said is that we're to have good behavior. When you begin to break this word down, it means that those who are called must be modest and well-arranged. That's what the word means, right. modest and well-arranged. That means that our actions should be proper. David behaved himself wisely before King Saul. Having a good behavior includes our conduct, our conversation, and our dress. I believe how we present ourselves publicly and how we present ourselves uh, in, in front of others will determine how effective and how qualified we are to be competent. Absolutely. If, if, if a person over here really is just far out and ha- doesn't have a balance in, in those areas of their life, then they become less believable. Right. And, I mean, good behavior, that just simply means what it says. Be on good behavior. Mm-hmm. Notice that as a leader, people are watching. Right. People are looking to you. Everyone sees 
how you manage yourself, how you manage what you say. Everyone right. sees how you treat your waiter or your waitress. Mm-hmm. Be- I remember one time, uh, I believe it was during a conference, uh, we went out to eat and we asked our waitress, are you doing okay? And she said, well, I heard that this conference was coming and I was scared because I know that you guys can be really rude sometimes. Oh my. And that just shook me to my core. We are the representatives of God. Yeah. How much should we be on our best behavior? Absolutely. To to promote God. We are the city uh, on a hill. We are the light. of. We shine God's light through us to a world of darkness. Right. So why wouldn't we be on our best behavior? And then what happens when that, that person shows up from the restaurant at a church and sees those same people? Absolutely. That was rude and crude. Sees those same people saying, now, let me share with you the love of Jesus Christ. Right, exactly. <laughs> then the next, the next word that he talks about is the word, and again, we're talking about qualifying ourselves. These are things that we need to qualify ourselves in the work of ministry. So he says, be given to hospitality. Comes from two Greek words, philios, meaning loving, and uh, xeno, a stranger. So given to hospitality means that I must be loving and caring for people I don't even know. Hospitality, again, comes from the Greek words that means loving a stranger. So that means I need to be, in qualifying myself, I need to be uh, loving people I don't even know and caring for people I don't even know, serving people I don't even know. And uh, what that guards against is the attitude that says, I'm better than you. Right. So I don't have to serve you. Right. I'm more spiritual than you, so I don't have to serve you. But the thing that comes to my mind is that the Bible tells us that we need to be careful because we don't know if we're entertaining angels underwear. So it's a real wise thing to be hospitable all the time. Absolutely. And serve all people. Right. Well, and that also means just always looking to those in need Mm -hmm. uh, because God has given you a gift. God has shown you hospitality. You were once a stranger to the church. You were once someone outside, and somebody gave you love. Somebody showed you mercy. Peter said in Acts 3 and 6 to the lame man, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, Mm -hmm. but such as I give thee. And he's talking about Jesus, and he's talking about the love of God. You know, hospitality doesn't always mean money. No, it doesn't. I can show you riches in heaven. Yeah. And that's just something powerful. I and and that's a powerful thing that we could do to qualify ourselves. Find somebody that's kind, generous, and God y'all to use them. Right. It's interesting the next thing that he says is that a, 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 a we're to be apt to teach. This is the only as far as I know in looking at these qualifications it's the only one that has to do with skill mm. as far as being able to... That's interesting. You know, what you do. Right. It's like he's going through all these other qualifications before he comes to the one. It's like the sandwich in the middle of these qualification, and so he's apt to teach. That means that we must be ready to be taught and be skilled at teaching. Absolutely. Conducting ourselves like a teacher. Right. That means I work on my skill. I've got to improve my skill, improve, you know, 
Believe it or not, my worst class in school, the class I despised the most besides algebra, was English. Huh. Now I make my living. Right. You know, partly because of 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 I living by the gospel and being using using the English. Right. I wish I had 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 a better uh, love for English. Right. Well, but and that also speaks that uh, in the sense of being called as a minister of the gospel, that doesn't mean just preaching. That doesn't mean getting up on the pulpit every Sunday or midweek service yeah. to preach. That means when you're at Walmart that you can see an opportunity. Okay, this is how I could teach somebody. This is how I could help somebody. Yeah, a yeah. a real teacher looks for moments that he can help, that he can bestow knowledge on somebody. Absolutely. And if we can do that in any time, that's such a blessing to someone. Be able to decipher the Word to people. Yes. Know what the Word is. When they say Bible quizzing is so important, it is because it gets the Word in your heart. Yeah. And when you have the word in your heart, you can decipher the word and you be able to, someone asks you a question, what does this mean? Well, I know what it means because I've studied it. Right. I've read it. It's in my heart. Right. I know it. So through studying, through being taught, I can now teach others. And I think it goes to, to more than just memorization. It's about getting in your, your, getting the principles in your heart so much that you can share that back. In, in a way that it's it's uh, explainable. Absolutely. All right, the next one is not given to wine. This is, again, another qualification about having your appetites under control. You think that's important? I, I think it's important. <laughs> the phrase literally means in the Greek, to not stand near wine. Mm. To not stand near wine. The Bible calls us to be filled with the Spirit and not drunk on the appetites of the flesh. So I don't stand on the edge of spiritual sobriety. I don't stand on the edge of natural sobriety. Right. I'm, I'm making sure that there is a good gulf between me and those things that can, can cause me to mess up. Absolutely. So have your appetites under control. Know what triggers your past mistakes. Yes. If you are dealing, if you dealt with in your past with alcohol, just know I'm not going to have a drop of alcohol in my system, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. No pornography. What, absolutely. Pornography, mm -hmm. lust, whatever it may be. Make sure that you know what your triggers are yeah. and keep that under control. Keep an eye out so that you may stay living in the holy light of God. Right. And just like you said, you're not on the fence. Right. You're not wishy-washy. I could I could literally tomorrow be living a whole different lifestyle than I was today. You shouldn't be like that. Mm -hmm. We need to be sold out. Or having a yearning to, I want to go back. I want to go back. Uh, or, or continuously talking, oh, man, when I used to do this, when I used to party. If it's your past, forget about it. Don't talk about it. It's right. done. It's over. If you're going to talk about your past, use it as a testimony and only that, because God has brought you out of the miry clay, and you should be thankful for that. Thank God for that. The next one is an interesting phrase that he uses, not a striker. That means to not be a bully. I think the ministry is a place that many have used it as the bully pulpit. Right. Uh, where this is how I'm going to get them. <laughs> it, yeah. And men that are given to fighting, 
men that are given given to 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 brawling, uh, uh, being contentious and browbeating people, that is a disqualification right. rather than a qualification. Absolutely. So we need to be careful when it comes to that. The next one is not greedy of filthy lucre. That means we got to view possessions in the right way. The man of God must not use shameful ways to make money through dishonest honest gain or cheating people. I believe we need to take care of our money. Absolutely. Absolutely. The next one we're going to talk about is to be patient. Right. This can also simply just mean meekness. Having control not to mm-hmm. fight back. In those instances that people accuse you of things, they lie to you, they tell you horrible things, they tell you every little secret that they have, you need to hold back and to stand mm-hmm. on what you believe. It's not mm-hmm. always about having an answer or fighting back. You need to realize, is this even worth it? And that mm-hmm. comes with patience. And, and, and it's, these are all kind of connected and related because he goes right from uh, that being patient or unassertive, uh, uh, being meek and gentle to not being a, a brawler, right? Or as this this means without battle, the man of God must be reluctant to fight. You know, one of the one of the greatest examples I I've seen in my life of a man who is highly anointed and favored by God and anointed by God to do great things and controls his spirit in such a way like none I've never seen before. Is Bishop Walls. Absolutely. He has been, I've watched him be put in place that any, myself included, I'd want to fight back. Right. I mean, watch him be mistreated and talked down to and about, and but he's not a brawler. So he doesn't go looking for a fight. Right. Man of God, let's not go looking for a fight. Absolutely. It's the old proverb turn the other cheek, Mm -hmm. Take, take the accusations. Leaders, what one thing that we need to know is that we need to have broad shoulders to right. carry the weight of people saying these hurtful things to us, of accusing us, mm-hmm. of throwing slanders at us. We need to have the shoulders and the back that says, you know what, I can carry that and I'm not going to fight back. Right. Battle is a two-way fight. It's yes, someone it fighting and someone fighting back. <laughs> Don't let that happen to you, leader. You it doesn't matter that. what age. If they're throwing something at you, if they're being mean to you or saying whatever, just drop it. That's just right. drop it. Be the bigger man. And I think that it goes, especially on social media. Absolutely. Social media is not Come a great, on now. Yeah, if, if you're a brawler on social media, you, you're probably hurting just log yourself. Off. Yeah, you're just hurting log yourself. Off. The next one is free from the love of stuff. Paul calls it not covetousness. The man of God must have a proper handle on acquiring stuff. Uh, we need to be careful having that uh, that that will or passion. I gotta have right. want. I gotta have the latest. Um, uh, we gotta conquer that in our heart that says, "I want more." Gotta have more right. mentality. I think one thing about that is that just don't be someone who has to show off their possessions. Mm-hmm. The one way that we can understand this, and I love it. Somebody told me this years ago. Know that those possessions aren't yours anyway. That's right. You may have paid them with money. You may They may have your name on it. They're not yours. They are mm-hmm. God's. My own body isn't even my own. Mm-hmm. It is God's. He's just renting it to me. He's loaning it out to me for right now. Right. When you can come to the understanding that you can have nice things, you can mm-hmm. have technology, you can have uh, really nice cars, 
but know that they're not yours. Just they don't need to have you. They don't need to have you. Right. Let's quickly go over the next one because I want to get to, uh, before we wrap up a podcast, I want to get to the, the, the one after this, which is not a novice. But before we get to novice, novice it means that a person who is qualifying themselves needs to rule well his own house. And that is that one that who is planning to oversee the flock of God needs to first oversee his own home and do that well to the best of your ability. A man who cannot lead his family really has to has to question his ability to lead the flock of God. So th- that being said, David, we're we're we're, we're at Kingdom Link. We're uh, we're talking about young and old or. Uh, generational leaders. So this one, Paul says, not being a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Absolutely. What does a young man think about that? One that is, you know, uh, how do we address that to the young man that is just coming into the call? Right. Well, I think partially, this is how I view it, when you when you are at the point where you're stepping into a place of calling, more than likely you've been in the church for some time. Mm-hmm. You've had you have an understanding mm-hmm. of how God operates. Mm-hmm. We should not need to be taught every Sunday and every midweek on repentance. Right. We don't need to be taught on to pay our tithes or to have a prayer life. Simple things like that. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians three and one says, "And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as to carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hereto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able." What is mm-hmm. that talking about? As, just as a baby can only handle milk, there needs to come a time where that baby transitions from milk to meat. Right. So as a young man, it doesn't even matter your age. Mm-hmm. You need to understand that there comes a point where I need to stop talking just about a simple fact of the love of God and understand who God is, understand the doctrine, understand mm-hmm. the truth. I don't need the fluff that I did when I first came in to the gospel and to the kingdom. I need to understand. I need to dive into the truth. There you go. So when you speak in as not a novice, I don't need to... I'm not at the point as I was when I first entered into the church. I'm not a beginner, Mm -hmm. if you would say, in this. Mm -hmm. I have spent time studying, discerning, deciphering the Word Mm -hmm. of God. And because of that, I am able to work up to a place. I know more about God than I did last Mm -hmm. year. You know, I I think when we look at this word novice, I don't think it has... It doesn't necessarily pertain to age. I believe it means, as the word means, newly planted. A man who is called into a ministry later on in life is still a novice until right. that maturity comes. Right. But if you go back above all the qualifications that Paul talked about, if you're working on these, by the time you get down to novice, you're probably not a novice. Absolutely. You probably have stepped into a a, a role of maturity, for the man right. of God should have the desire to mature and to study and to grow so that he could become something great, which is the next thing, and that is have a good report. Mm. That means have a credible testimony, have a believable testimony, uh-huh. be a witness that people can say, I, I, I see that in their life. And, um, and I, 
I think these are some things that we can do to qualify ourselves. But to wrap it up, I want to talk just briefly about two more verses that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others. We're talking about Paul. Right. He was not a novice. Right. He's the one that wrote the qualifications under the anointing of God. Wrote most of the Yes, most of the New Testament. He says, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Qualification doesn't stop. We keep working on that. Absolutely. We keep working on that. Well, and, and, and the one thing that I can think about this, I know we use Bishop Walls as an example a lot, but he is just a fantastic example. One time for New Year's Eve, you had decided as the pastor that we were going to have small groups at individual houses. And so everybody went to a specific house that they were assigned to, and we had like a little service, a little devotion. Right. Well, I remember at our house, we had Bishop Walls, Papa there, and Papa... Uh, we started this thing where we went around the room. What's the one thing that you want to do this next and upcoming year uh, in your life? What's a goal? You know, mm. we do that a lot. What's a New Year's goal? And I, it, it literally blew my mind when Papa said this. He said, my goal is I want to know more about God. Are you serious? <laughs> You've forgotten more than I'll ever know. But what that what he's showing was exactly what Paul is saying. Yes. There's still I'm still working on myself. Yes. I'm still studying. I'm still learning more about God. And that's what we need to strive. Young man, if you ever get into a point in your ministry where you think you've got it all, that's exactly the opposite. You're missing the point. Well, I'm, we always need to be working on ourselves. I don't mean to go on a rant here, and you're exactly right about the example of Bishop Butter. But I'm afraid we've created a whole new class of preachers that are students of truth, and they promulgate theology. They're skilled orators, yet they exclude themselves from the truth that they preach. They continue to minister, but they are in reality unfit to lead. Paul called this type of preacher a castaway, this type of leader a castaway. They preach against sin, but they ignore the blind spots of their own life. They see themselves differently than those that they minister to. It's like, I am entitled. I can do this. But Paul says, watch thou in all things in 2 Timothy 4 and 6. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. Work. Watch. Endure. These are the things of ministry that we do to make full proof that today, like never before, the, the world needs kingdom mentality ministries that are called and qualified and watch them become competent Absolutely. in their work. Absolutely. Man, we just are so thankful and honored that you guys are here, that you've been here with us today on uh, episode two of our first season of Kingdom Link here in 2020. We are so glad that you're here again here at Kingdom Link. Uh, Dad, you've got anything to say to him? Yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, look ahead to next next episode in our three-part series here on Understanding the Call, and we're going to talk about how to find your kingdom assignment. How do, how do you find where you're to work? And, and we hopefully can set some tools in your hands that will help you. So remember, Kingdom Link is a podcast that comes out every first and third Thursday of every month. And we appreciate if you will go and uh, if you will uh, 
like our page, our Facebook page. If you'll share our uh, podcast with others, write a review. Any way that you help us out on MediaWise would be a great blessing. I do want to tell you something that we're going to be doing next time. Next time we're going to be giving away, we'll be telling you this about on our Facebook page, but you give the opportunity, Bishop Wall's book, So So You Are a Preacher. So you are a preacher. We're going to give this away. It's a fantastic book. Fantastic book. Great to have in your arsenal, in your ministry. Absolutely. So join us next time for the third segment of this series. Thank you for being with us today. Here at Kingdom Lake, we believe that leadership only matters if it is passed on. So we want you to go pass it on today. Mm -hmm.